0: Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is to help yoga teachers transform their teaching by mastering the fundamentals of anatomy. By learning anatomy in my easy step-by-step way, you'll be able to confidently share it in your cues, easily create sequences, and you'll eagerly answer student questions, and all along the way, you'll increase your impact and earning potential. On the podcast here, you will hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, go ahead and visit barebonesyoga.com, my website, for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all that are there, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. And if you'd like, send me a one line email with the answer to this question. What's your biggest frustration right now as a yoga teacher? And I'm happy to do some brainstorming with you in a free coaching session. My email address is Karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Let's get to today's episode. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. My name is Karen Fabian, and this is episode 201. So if you're a regular listener, or if you're just starting out, and you happen to catch last week's episode, that was a big one because it was episode 200, and I am just So excited that we made it to 200 episodes, especially if you're a long time listener, you've made it with me. And I wanna thank you so much for listening. And even if this is your first episode or maybe your second or third, So you're an early um, adopter of this podcast. I want to just acknowledge you and thank you so much for taking some time to tune in. So today for episode 201, I am recording this on August 18th, and you are going to hear it anytime on or after. August twenty second, 2022. Because as you know, I always post on Mondays. And so uh, that's just the timing and a little frame of reference for where we're at. I actually just came back from two days, just about two days, a little shy of two days, not exactly 48 hours, but a little shy of 48 hours in Portland, Maine, which is one of my happy places from here in Boston, you can get there in under two hours and you really feel like you're getting away. Go out and eat lobster. We go now to um, a place called Higgins beach, which is a beach. (laughs) And, you know, oddly, even though people think Maine and ocean, when we would, go to Portland, we typically wouldn't go to the beach at all. And we would walk around town, we would go out to eat, we would stay in uh, a nice hotel. Now we go to Higgins Beach, which is about 20 minutes outside of Portland. And we hang out with some friends that go there all the time and or go there for two weeks every year. And we go for a couple of days within that two week time frame. So we're sort of surrounded by them and their extended family. And that is a beach community. And so I don't know about you, I grew up on the East Coast, I was born in the Bronx, I grew up in New Jersey, going down to the Jersey Shore was part of my upbringing. And I am a beach person through and through. So anything that involves the beach, if you're watching my Instagram stories over the past 48 hours, you saw lots of pictures and videos from the beach. I just absolutely find the beach so healing and I just love it. So I'm feeling energized. I'm feeling sort of ready for September 1st, which I kind of always feel like is the other one, one, like the other January 1st. I feel like there's just so much good energy we can capitalize on, on September 1st and put towards Really specific things around our goals and really working, um, not working hard. I don't want it to sound like it's like a challenge, but really capitalizing on just the natural energetic flow of back to school and, you know, in a way, back to work. I mean, and I don't necessarily mean nine to five work, I mean, back to the work of focusing on what the hell do you want to be doing with your life? And what are you doing to make it happen? Hello, right? Because if you're not going to make it happen, it ain't gonna happen. And so I am all about that kind of energy. And while I love to relax with everybody else, and like I said, I just got back from, I mean, almost 48 hours doesn't sound like a big vacation. Although to me, it's fine. Like, it gets you out of your schedule, you get to do some different things. And, um, and so I just feel like we have just such a huge opportunity this September first to, to really get kind of specific about what do we want to do to use the rest of this year. So September, October, November, December, the, the last four months of the year, to move ourselves forward, And can we get specific in the next two weeks to outline what do we want to do? Who do we want to be? What do we want to achieve? How much money do we want to make? How much money do we need in order to cover our expenses? Um, How do we want to be of benefit to, to our community, to other people, to, you know, whatever, you know, ring of influence, circle of influence you want to have, you know, these are all intentional conversations that I love having with myself. And I would highly encourage you to have with yourself as well, because it really is a way that you can live purposefully. Um, You know, there's, there's so much that happens in the world where people kind of sit back and complain, well, why isn't this happening for me? Or why isn't that happening for me? And I don't know if you ever have heard about this idea of being at cause. And when we talk about being at cause, what that means is you are no longer, number one, the victim, and things are not happening to you you are making things happen, you are creating opportunities. And so I would ask you as the yoga teacher, are you living your life at cause? And if we narrow the focus down from your life to your teaching life, are you teaching at cause? Or are you just sort of following the flow of things. Um, And I would highly recommend that if you're doing the latter that you start to take the reins back because this is no time, it never is a time. However, this is certainly no time to be a shrinking violet, to be someone who's behind the scenes, to be someone who is not going after what they want. Not now, not ever, definitely not now especially not now when people need yoga more than anything. And we have so many free channels available to us to use to amplify our message, whether it's TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever it is, um, teaching in your community. I mean, we can talk about all the different options. So, you know, let's just kind of really this time, this year, use these next four months, be at cause, be intentional, and let's just really get some good stuff done. So I wanna start out, I'm gonna tell you what the themes for this week's episode are. And then I'm gonna make a couple of quick announcements about things that I want you to know about, opportunities for you, and then we'll dive into the content. So we're going to talk today about two things. The first thing is a little bit about one of the most dreaded phrases that's ever poked its head in the common vernacular, and that is imposter syndrome. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. And then we're going to talk about how to create a plan to quit your job and teach full time. And I'm going to tell you why we're focusing on that and what inspired me to do that. What I also would like to do is let you know if you haven't heard already, because maybe you've seen on my Instagram stories, I've been you know, posting about this and posting it on my Facebook and maybe you're on my email list and you've gotten the email about it on August 24th, which is next week. I am hosting a 200th episode podcast party. I decided to throw a party to acknowledge hitting 200 episodes. And to do that, I wanted to give value back to you. So what I'm going to do in just a one hour party environment is give you some of the themes that we covered in the first 200 episodes. Of course, not everyone. What I've done is I've pulled out some of the high level themes. So it's going to be a 60 minute, you know, kind of opportunity for you to add to your knowledge, to add to your skill set. The party part is going to be uh, just a fun atmosphere, light, happy, friendly, and a couple of opportunities for you to win some raffle prizes, which I will, of course, bring to the party. So that is the 24th, August 24th, from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern. So I bet, I hope you have an hour to attend. It is a live only event. Uh, there will not be a replay. At least at this point, I don't think there will be. If you're really dying to have the replay, you can email me and I'll see uh, if I, I do believe I will record it. It's just that I tend to like to make the decision about whether or not there's going to be a replay before. Uh, and I haven't quite decided. This is really the kind of thing that's just meant to be a once and done uh, and a live event only. but. If you're really interested just send me an email and i'll see what i can do and so to sign up for the party for the podcast party the 200th episode podcast party the easiest thing to do is to dm me and i'll send you the link second easiest thing to do And the reason I say that's the easiest is because you're probably on your phone right now. And how easy is it to just go to Instagram and just send me a DM, super easy. I say the next thing that's an easy way to do it is just go to barebonesyoga.com, click the link for the events page and the link is on there. Uh, So those are two ways you can sign up. You can always also email me and I'll send you the link to sign up. And my email is Karen at barebonesyoga.com. So that I want to tell you about. And with that podcast party announcement done, check, let's go into our first topic. So I saw a comment on Facebook in a teacher's group I'm in that had to do with uh, imposter syndrome. And this teacher basically expressed uh, this scenario where they said that they had gone to a 200 hour teacher training recently, although not super recently, it sounded like it was at least over a year ago. And they went to this teacher training and it wasn't very good. And so as a result, they didn't leave the teacher training feeling able to teach, prepared to teach. So they didn't teach. And now it's been some period of time, at least a year, and they really want to start to teach. However, they're not sure how to to start and they feel like they've developed a really, in their words, strong case of imposter syndrome. And so I'm gonna tell you what I told this person. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I see this talk about imposter syndrome a lot from teachers. And I sort of feel like, you know, the first thing we need to, the first thing that would be helpful to explore is the labeling of feelings in a way that uses a term that's become really common and the energy that comes along with that. And so it's one thing to have of course, your feelings are real, your feelings are legitimate. And so it's one thing to have, let's just call it a feeling of um, worry or fear. I think it's really fear when, it, when you boil it down. Um, a feeling of discomfort, anxiety around teaching. It's another thing to know that there's this label called imposter syndrome and to slap that on your forehead. And then to walk around and write in a public forum, like a Facebook group, or talk to your friends or your significant others and say, I have imposter syndrome. Because what I want you to do is think about every time you say that it's like water in a Creek on a rock, creating that little divot in the rock. Every time you say that your identity gets more and more intertwined with them. with being in what you think an imposter is to teach. And so wouldn't it be more helpful to you as a teacher and your growth? And I'm not saying you in particular have this, maybe you do have this feeling. Um, However, maybe you don't. Although just think about it in relationship to anything. If you say to yourself, let's say you have some debt and you have not paid it off and you feel like it's challenging for you to pay off your debt and you constantly say to yourself, I'm not good with money, I'm never going to pay off this debt or I'm not good at eating healthy, I'm just an unhealthy eater. All those labels and things that you say about yourself, of course, here we're talking about it in the context of teaching, although it can be looked at through the lens of anything all those things that we say about ourselves that we tie to I statements, I am this, I am that, I have imposter syndrome. It just makes it that much harder for us to break out of that feeling. You know, this is where, and I've talked about this a lot, my passion for neuroscience and neuro-linguistic programming. When you look at NLP as a practice, a huge emphasis is placed on what we say as a sign to what is really happening under the skin. And so walking around saying I have imposter syndrome is a huge sign that this person is dealing with something. And wouldn't it be more helpful to kind of get to the bottom of what that is rather than continuing to walk around labeling yourself in this way. And wouldn't it be a better use of your time rather than saying, I am this, I am that, to say, I am able to, whatever it is, I am able to move forward. Even though I have fear, I am optimistic that my efforts will be rewarded or whatever. So the first thing I wanna say is let's stop saying imposter syndrome. Let's instead say what we really mean. You know, I have some anxiety around teaching right now. I have some fear around teaching right now because that's really what we're talking about. Now, sometimes we don't have an ability to really see what the problem is. And so I get that. So again, another way to reframe it is we could say something like, I'm not exactly sure what the block is however i'm hesitant to start teaching like and i'm going to curse here so if you have kids around just just cover their ears just fuck the imposter syndrome can we just please stop it with that like whoever invented that term just stop i don't even know how that started so i really sort of implore you not to proliferate that term out there in the world because not only for people who are vulnerable, it's just everybody. People sort of love to use terms like that. And really when you think about about it, all that term does is devalue yourself. And who wants to do that? (laughs) Not me, and I certainly hope not you. So when I saw this person post, And classify themselves as having imposter syndrome and describing the scenario that they went to a 200 hour teacher training. It did not go well. They graduated and don't feel prepared to teach. As a result, over a year has passed. They now feel like they have imposter syndrome and they're not sure what to do. So, if any of this resonates with you, here are some steps to get you back on track. Number one, Make a list of five things that you love about teaching. And this is even if you've never taught a class. So, if you have taught a class, of course, it'll be easier to do. The idea, though, is you know, anything about te- why did you go into teacher training? What intrigued you about being a yoga teacher? What makes you passionate about teaching yoga? Five things. So, you're going to start with that. Number two, you're going to make a list of five ways of being that you wish to embody more of so maybe you'll write i wish to be more confident i want to be more skilled i wish i um had more um uh more of an ability uh, more clarity around my cues i wish i felt more comfortable in front of the class ways of being, I wish I was more outgoing, right? So this is more kind of in the energetic personality trait arena. And then the last thing you're going to do is make a list of five skills that you need to have in your determination as of right now, five skills that you need to have that you don't have now that will help you embody those ways of being around teaching yoga. And once you have those three lists, you're gonna take the first two and stick them over to the side. And you're gonna look at the last list you made. These are the skills that you need to have. And you're going to start to do some research about mentors, right? People like me and or programs, training programs, that can give you the skills that you have on your list that you've written out that you've needed. And the reason I'm having you do this is because, number one, most teachers, when they are in this scenario, their knee-jerk response, and quite frankly, the way the industry is set up, is they will do what most teachers will probably do and have done. And I know this because I talk to these teachers because they end up enrolling in my program after the fact. And what they will do most of the time is just enroll in another hours-based program. They'll take another 200-hour training program figuring, well, that'll do it. Or they'll take a 300-hour program figuring, well, it's more hours than the 200, so it's definitely gonna help me with what I need. And that's not the case. Hours-based programming is not the answer to everything, number one. Hours-based programming is many times not specific to a particular topic, number two. And quite frankly, there really aren't any hours-based programs that focus on mindset. I'm going to say that again. There aren't really any hours-based programs that focus on mindset. And I don't mean mindset in a yogic philosophical way because of course there's wonderful programs about that and by that I mean studying buddhism and mindfulness and intentionality and you know ways of being consistent with buddhist philosophy and there is a ton of value in that however in a more contemporary sense when we talk about mindset when i'm talking about mindset here what i'm speaking about is ways of being as we live in this contemporary world. I mean, shit, no one had imposter syndrome or talked about it in the Buddhist context. You could definitely make a case for quite a bit of mental ammunition that you can shore up your resources with your mental resources with from the Buddhist philosophies that can combat imposter syndrome for sure. However, when we talk about mindset, I'm talking about a more contemporary construct, and I'm talking about the tools to help you achieve quality mindset, are tools that live more in neuroscience, neurolinguistic programming, more contemporary um, psychology, not really psychology, because I'm not obviously suggesting that I would be treating anybody. Um, it's just even just in conversational support and, and proactive coaching. So that is one reason why just enrolling in another program is not going to def- to um, assure you what you want. And keep in mind, the reason I'm suggesting you make this list of skills first is because that puts you in the driver's seat from the consumer, the smart consumer standpoint, rather than just having this feeling kind of, marinating in this feeling of I have imposter syndrome, and then just saying, Oh, well, I'll just put a bandaid on it. I mean, this is just going to make me feel better to enroll in another program. So that's my recommendation. So if any of this resonates with you, uh, this is maybe something you're experiencing, or you're feeling stuck in your teaching, on your teaching path for a different reason. This is an exercise you can do. So the, the other two lists, and let me just say this in closing on this particular topic, the other two lists, the list of um, ways of being that you wish you embodied more and things you love about teaching yoga, those two lists are going to inspire your daily meditation and your journaling, and that will reinforce those feelings of positive feelings, why you want to teach yoga in the first place that will reinforce the ways of being that you wish to embody more in your life that will reinforce those. And it's sort of a fake it till you make it approach in a way. However, it's shored up with actual steps to get you those ways of being, because as you look at the skills you want to have, and do the research about who can teach you these skills and in what program or in what context, you will actually then get the skills. So then you have the skills and you have the mindset shifts, you're golden. So this is all really logical. I mean, this kind of logical approach to problem solving for yoga teachers is not out there friends. It's just not, this is one of the things that sort of makes me crazy about the yoga industry. And, you know, in my being part of this group, I see like these sort of desperate yoga teachers, they're in such a pickle and they get all these comments from people Well, practice more and do, it's like, no, (laughs) that's not going to help. Like I honestly, it just sort of pains me to see. I mean, basic problem-solving skills are lacking right now in the world. That's number one. Number two, being a yoga teacher and having questions about teaching, questions about business, knowing where to go for these answers and how to move yourself forward, there is a real vacuum when it comes to resources for teachers in, in that way. And so this is why it doesn't surprise me the wide range of range of questions that teachers have. And at the same time, it just makes me sort of crazy passionate about getting in touch with as many teachers as I can to help them. Not because I have all the answers, fuck no, (laughs) but because I have a lot of experience and have put a lot of it down on paper in books, blog posts, articles, content on the internet, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, this podcast, you know, 200 episodes. I definitely can provide guidance. And so when I see all that kind of stuff, it just makes me even more committed to my personal mission of helping teachers reach just their highest degree of professionalism, of quality teaching, of joy over their teaching. And, you know, that's why I I curse. I mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of Gary Vaynerchuk. He's a very well-known entrepreneur and every one of his videos is filled with the F word. And I don't get offended because I see how passionate he is about helping as many people as possible. And when you're passionate, like I'm passionate, you sometimes use words that just emphasize and punctuate how you feel and what you say. And sometimes there's just no better word than that. So that's just my little disclaimer, if you're feeling a little bit put off by <laughs> the past few episodes and, and my my use of salty language. And it doesn't happen all the time. It happens though, when I get really riled up about something. And the past two episodes, I've talked about things, this topic included that I feel really, really strongly about. So having said that, I want to take uh, the next step to talk about the next topic for today's show, today's episode. And just like the last topic I talked about was inspired by a comment I saw on social media in a teacher's Facebook group, this next topic I'm inspired to share on because I got an email from a yoga teacher today. And uh, they'll probably recognize themselves from this little description if they're listening to the to the episode here. Um, and I want to keep the name to myself just out of uh, just respecting this person's privacy. Um, and this person purchased my practice portal, which is, if you've heard, it's my online practice platform where I have almost 100 sequences recorded along with guided meditations, review of research articles, and other topics. It's mainly a practice platform. So it's designed for you to practice to, and you can select the sequence, the class that you want to practice to. These are all recorded, so you can do it on your own schedule. However, it's also designed to be a resource for teachers. Teachers who enroll in my program get it for free. And if you buy it independently, it's $99. You get access to the entire portal and it's a very organized directory. And you simply select the class that you want to take. And you can also use the directory to select a class that maybe you want to just kind of copy and use for your own teaching. Some of the sequences are shorter, some of them are longer. So there's lots of ways you can kind of blend a couple of them together to make. Uh, maybe a 90-minute class or an hour and 15-minute class, or you can just take one of the 20-minute short sessions and pop it into your existing sequence. So it really can be a resource for teachers as well as something that you can use as a resource to practice to, to support your yoga practice. And because it includes guided meditations and other topics and other activities all under the umbrella of wellness, it really is an online wellness tool. And so this teacher purchased that. And as for anyone who purchases this $99 portal, I offer them a free coaching session and that's worth a couple hundred bucks. And I do it for free as a way to add a special value, added value to their investment in the practice portal. And I asked this person, you know, thank you so much for investing in the practice portal. I'd love to share a little bit more with you about how you can use this as a tool. It's Going to be helpful for me to know if you're a teacher or are you a yoga practitioner and you don't teach, please let me know. And when this person wrote me back, they shared that they have an opportunity to, they shared that they're a teacher. They mentioned they love the show, the podcast here. They've been listening for a while and they went into a little bit of their personal situation that they're currently in a corporate job right now. They have an opportunity to invest in a yoga studio. And they're looking to kind of change their life path in a way from one of a full-time career to one of teaching full-time. And, you know, they went on to say, you know, they're kind of thinking about all of what would be involved in doing that. And so what I want to do is number one, acknowledge that person, because I'm sure if they're listening, they're going to recognize this story and just say, thank you. Thank you for your, for your email. And I'm super excited for, for what you have coming ahead in your life. And I also want to thank you for the inspiration, because even though you right now might not be in a similar situation, maybe you've thought about how you could leave your current job and teach full-time, or maybe you've dreamed of teaching full-time, or maybe you've wondered what would that look like, especially in today's environment. And that makes a huge difference. The yoga industry of pre-COVID and the yoga industry of post-COVID is very different. And I think that, I don't have to tell you all the reasons it's different. However, the biggest difference in my mind is we don't have as many studios. We don't have as many people practicing in studios. And so as a result, the industry doesn't have as many teachers who teach in person and has a lot more teachers that teach online than before COVID. And so that's just the basics. I don't have any data to support that, which sort of sounds a little lame. However, I can say from my own experience, that would be all true. I can also say from speaking to some friends, that is true. I have many friends who have stopped teaching altogether because it just to them was too challenging to figure out how to find another gig in the world of not as many studios. So they've just moved on to something else, totally not related to yoga. Um, I would actually love to know from you how it is in your area. So send me a DM on Instagram, tell me that you listened to this episode and give me your take on what's happening in your environment, in your part of of the world and how it's affected or changed how you teach. So let me know there. So what I wanted to do today is give you like a brief overview of what are some of the factors to consider if you're interested in making the transition from working full-time to teaching full-time. And to get this information, I'm actually going to reference my own book called Stretched, Build Your Yoga Business, Grow Your Teaching Techniques, which you can buy on Amazon anytime. You can also buy it on my website. Uh, My website will link you to the Amazon purchase page. This is a book I wrote in 2014. However, the topics are still relevant. They're evergreen topics with evergreen advice, evergreen suggestions, meaning they're not time dependent. So don't be thrown by the 2014 copyright date. It is all still relevant today. And in the middle of this book, I have a chapter on leaving your job and creating a plan to teach full time. So I'm gonna just pull out some of the topics here because you know, back in the day when I went to my original teacher training program in 2002, there were quite a few people at that training who swore when they went home, they were going to quit their job, go and teach full time. And that is the worst thing you can do. And so while you may have visions of, sugar plum fairies in your head, I about teaching full time, I can definitely tell you um, it's not like that. And it's not uh, a wise choice to just make an abrupt change. Even if you feel like your current work situation is intolerable and you are just feeling really energized to go and make that switch, it's much, much better if you make a practical decision that's predicated on being prepared and taking a lot of good steps so that you set yourself up for success. So I'm going to give you just a couple of things to consider and I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail here just in the interest of your time. However, for all of the detail, you can get it in the book, which you can get on Amazon. So a couple of things I want you to consider. Number one, decide if you're an an independent worker or if you prefer the structure of a company. I mean, this is sort of such a relevant topic right now in today's world. Of course, when I wrote these words in 2014, I could have never imagined there would be a global pandemic in 2020. Um, However, this concept of do I, really thrive in in an environment where I'm surrounded by other people versus can I work independently, nothing can be more relevant in today's world. I don't know if you guys know Malcolm Gladwell. He was recently interviewed on a podcast. I can't remember the name of the show or the interviewer, which is kind of sad. Um, However, if you Google Malcolm Gladwell, on returning to the office, you will definitely be directed to the episode of this person's podcast where he was interviewed because he went into a little um, conversation with the host about how dismayed he is that more people haven't returned to in-person work and how companies are really struggling with enticing people to come back to the office versus working from home. Now, even though I've been teaching full-time and running my own business for many years, I did work corporate for many years. So I have vivid memories of working in a company, of running departments, of reporting to people, of going into an office every day, of traveling, like I live that life. And so I have a lot of feelings about what working a job looks like right now especially working a corporate type job and i have a lot of feelings about is it reasonable for companies to sort of demand their workers come back is it reasonable to think that com- that workers have to be in office to do their job how can companies make it more attractive to have the workers come back to the office blah 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 that's obviously not the point of this podcast the idea though of You evaluating yourself and determining, honestly, if you thrive in an in-person environment where you're surrounded by people versus working independently is absolutely something that should be part of your decision when it comes to teaching as a career. Because when you teach as a career choice, you are not supported by anybody, <laughs> even if you happen to work for the odd scenario, we have one here in Boston where you're working for a studio that pays you a salary. And by salary, I don't necessarily mean $20,000 a year, $30,000 a year, I don't mean that. I'm So I really shouldn't say a salary, who pays you in a way that taxes are taken out. So in other words, you're an employee, and not a 1099 contractor. This is gonna go down another path that has to do with taxes. Let's just suffice it to say that I would say 95, if not 99% of yoga teachers are paid as a 1099 contractor because the employer in this scenario, the yoga studio is not paying them uh, as an employee. They're not taking, taxes out of their pay. I believe it's social security tax, FICA, and um, self-employment tax, or not self-employment tax, employment insurance. And so um, that's really an important thing to right out of the gate recognize. When you decide you wanna teach as a full-time endeavor, and we'll get into what full-time means, because it might not mean 40 hours a week, When you wanna teach as your primary mode of earning money and supporting yourself, um, you're on your own. (laughs) You are on your own. So you really wanna make an assessment about whether your composition as a person is ready for that, can, can do well in that kind of situation. So a lot more I could say on that. Let me just move on to the next topic in the interest of time. The next thing is decide on the full-time teaching model you would like to pursue. You may decide you like the brick and mortar model of owning a studio. You might like to fully commit to one studio system and teach all your classes there. You might decide to start your own brand and teach in a variety of studios and other locations. There are lots of different forms a yoga teaching job can take, and it's helpful to know the one you'd most prefer. So that's, Number 2. Gonna decide what's the format. Now if you're going to have a studio, there's going to be massive startup costs to that and massive responsibility to not only the brick and mortar structure and maintaining that. I don't mean like yard work. I just mean like you have a you have a facility now. You also have the responsibility of hiring people and contractors and you know administrative staff and cleaners and all that. So Very different model there. So that's all I'm going to say, just kind of making the list here. The next thing is talk to people that are already living the life. Talk to people like me, teachers you know, teachers in studios where you go visit and practice, colleagues, people you know on Facebook, people who do not have another source of income, who have all their eggs in the basket of teaching. Talk to them, find out what they're doing, find out how they got there, do a series of taking people out to coffee, taking people out to virtual coffee, meeting them on Zoom and sending them a little $10 gift certificate to Starbucks after. Do that due diligence to really get down to the specifics about what are some of the permutations of this out there in the world. You know, again, that is so important because it's super easy to romanticize this type of lifestyle. And you want to go into it with really open eyes as to what to expect. Number four, decide if certification is important to you. Many teachers from whom you'll pursue training have their own certification program. Some of these programs will be recognized by Yoga Alliance as programs that give you hours through Yoga Alliance. I want to make the very clear distinction here that Yoga Alliance doesn't provide any certification. So if you're saying you're a certified yoga teacher and you are someone who has graduated from a 200 hour program or a 300 hour program, that doesn't mean you're certified. That simply means you're registered as a yoga teacher at the 200 hour level or the 300 hour level or the 500 hour level. Certification is the designation provided to you by a teacher. And it is a higher level of validation for you because it requires a lot more oversight and input by the teacher who grants you the certification. So just keep that distinction in mind. If you feel it's helpful to be able to say to people, you're certified, that's one reason to do it. I don't really think that's the reason to do it. I think similar to what I said in the earlier conversation, It's more important, I believe, for you to decide what skills you want to have and to pursue mentors who can teach you those skills. If in the pursuit of getting those skills, they also happen to certify you as one of quote unquote their teachers, great. If not, who cares? (laughs) Because honestly, friends, nobody taking your class even knows about Yoga Alliance has any understanding of what it is. No one is going to read your bio and say, oh, Sally is certified. Oh, Joan is not. I'm going to go to Sally's class. They're not doing that. So all of this is just within the yoga industry speak for labels, much more important for you to be pursuing programs that are to give, give you the skills you want and that you are trained to a level that allows you to teach confidently and competently and safely and effectively. And right now in the world, what we have for that is a 200 hour teacher training program. And the rest is really up to you to take a good program, do it well, graduate with an accumulation of knowledge and skills. And when you graduate, if you don't have those, just like in that first conversation, you then take further steps to evaluate what you are lacking in, and you do the due diligence to find someone who can help you fill in those learning gaps. That's a teacher of integrity. That's a teacher who is at cause. That is a teacher who is going to provide quality teaching, not someone who's just kind of out there throwing around the certification word, feeling like they don't really know what they're doing, but they're still going and teaching complex poses. They're still on Instagram, you know, kind of promoting themselves as doing this, that and the other thing when they really don't have the teeth behind it. Let's not do that. (laughs) So that's a little piece there about that. Number five, get down to brass tacks about money, 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 money. Oh my goodness. Such a hot topic, right? We could go on in a whole episode about money, get down to brass tacks about money, because as with any potential job switch, it's always helpful to look at the financial aspects, start with what you know, which are your expenses. And if you don't have a monthly budget, you had better make it because the monthly budget isn't necessarily in my mind, budget as to what you're, what you're going to spend. It's a budget of what you are spending on a month to month basis. Like in my budget, I have a line item for weekly cash on hand. And I call that a hundred bucks a week that I know is just gonna to go to like lunches and dry, not even dry cleaning, lunches and parking and Starbucks and whatever. That's a hundred bucks a week. So that's 400 bucks a month. That's a line item on my budget that just goes to cash on hand. All the other stuff on my budget is hard coded fixed expenses. All of my business expenses to run my business from a technical infrastructure perspective my car insurance, my um, uh, vision insurance, you know, blah, 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 those kinds of things. So write out that budget if you don't have one, and um, start to identify what your debts are, you know, what other financial liabilities you have. And then you're going to know, (laughs) you know, this is always kind of revealing, you're going to know, well, what ballpark are we in, in terms of income requirement? Because if your monthly, let's just take a rough estimate. If your monthly expenses are $5,000 a month, to break even, you need to bring in $5,000 a month of yoga income. Now I want you to, this is gonna be harsh reality friends here, so take a deep breath. I want you to think about, if you're getting paid $50 a class, just get my calculator here thousand divided by 50 so that's a hundred yoga classes in a month at fifty dollars for you to make five thousand a hundred yoga classes a month divided by four is 25 yoga classes a week so 25 yoga classes a week divided by seven is three and a half Let's call it four. So four classes a week, times thirty days in a month, times fifty dollars a class, will get you about five grand a month. Is that reasonable? No. So you see in this exercise that we already have a problem. We want to leave our regular job. We want to teach full time, and our heads were thinking, you know, okay, fifty bucks a class teaching classes. And now we know that's that's not possible. You can't even find three classes or four classes a day to teach. I'm pretty convinced you don't have those in your area, even if you do them online where you could opt in to, to teaching that kind of schedule. So you know right away that that's not going to be the way to get you what you need. Now, you can certainly cut expenses. a month to run someone's independent life is not that much money. Is there a way you can cut expenses? You know, that kind of thing. So now you start, you know, what's your partner's contribution to your lifestyle uh, and your expenses? So that's where all of those factors come into play. Number six, don't rule out teaching part-time first. If you're in the process of all this analysis and you're not getting the results you want before you decide to quit your day job, don't rule out the idea of teaching part-time while working. It's going to allow you to start out having the support of a corporate salary or a full-time salary and benefits. Number seven, consider the importance of health insurance, retirement savings, and taxes. Most yoga teachers are going to be getting their health insurance on their own when they quit their regular job because it's not provided by their employer. Most yoga studios are certainly not providing health insurance as part of the benefit of working for them. Um, Teachers that transition to teaching full-time after using a company-sponsored 401k investment plan may either have kept those funds in the 401k or moved them to an IRA. That's what I did. In either event, your retirement savings is most often up to you to do, if that's important to you. Also, many yoga teachers need to do their own taxes as well as make estimated payments throughout the year. You may want to consider hiring an accountant to help you plan for the year ahead. After you've kind of looked at these factors, the next thing that I suggest people do is to create a business dashboard. And in the book, I go over what a business dashboard is. Briefly, I'll just tell you, it's basically a spreadsheet that outlines what are the activities that you can do and want to do if you were to be able to find them out there in the world. What's the rate per activity and how many of them would you need to do to cover at least your expenses on a monthly basis. So this is where you would start to identify on a spreadsheet. I could teach classes. I could teach privates. I could teach kids in school. I could teach in nursing homes. I could teach um, in sports centers, you know, like training facilities. You start to list out what are the things you want to do? What is that full-time or sort of full-time uh, uh, yoga teaching lifestyle look like? You start fixing amounts to each activity. And that's where you can start to get your calculator out and start figuring out how many of these opportunities am I going to need to come up with to even get close to in this case, my $5,000 budget. And then you have to kind of adjust things. So, you know, if if you wanna start with something part-time that's a super safe way to do it and something I'd highly recommend. This also involves setting your rates for service. So setting your rates for what you're going to charge for each one of those things. Um, the other thing to consider is cost of health insurance. That's going to be most likely a new line item on your budget that you don't have right now because your insurance is probably being paid for by your job, or at least the majority of it is. Um, and, you know, just all of these different considerations. Are you? Do you have a savings account? Can you start to map out a plan now for six months from now and really, really get aggressive about saving money? Can you start to do some research now about health insurance providers that you could go to so you get an idea of what are your health insurance costs going to be because that's going to be a new item on your budget? So these are, I know this is kind of a lot, these are some of the things to consider when you think about going to a full time teaching career. And I really want to just close this by saying, when I say full time, you know, in the corporate world, full time means 40 hours a week. In the outline of teaching as your primary mode of supporting yourself, I want you to consider something else. The idea of a yoga teacher, Supporting themselves primarily through teaching and having that be a scenario where you're running around to different things that you're doing in person is what we like to say in the business world as not a very scalable model. Meaning you can't scale that because you're limited by how many hours you have in the day and where you can be at one time. You can only be teaching at three o'clock on Monday. On Monday at three o'clock, you can't also be earning money from something else that you can be doing because from three to four, you're teaching. So that, you know, that hour of Monday is limited in terms of your earning potential. However, if you have other assets that you can leverage to earn money to bring revenue into your business that are not tied to you personally teaching. You can earn money at three o'clock on Monday, both from teaching and both from something else. I'll give you a perfect example. While I was out of the office for the past two days in Maine, I was earning money. I was earning money through people who had bought my programs, people who had brought my bought my online courses, and they were doing that because other assets I have out there, like this podcast, episodes of the podcast, videos, videos that direct people to my website, my website that gives people an opportunity right on the homepage to enroll or to book a call with me where I can talk to them about what are they interested in doing? Where do they want to go as a teacher? And I can tell them if it's appropriate a little bit about how I can help them because based on our conversation I know that my program and my style of coaching can help them get where they want to be. You know, when you have physical assets that are resources for people, for teachers, whatever those assets are that you're going to create, that you're passionate to create, those become scalable products. And that's how you begin to develop a sustainable business not necessarily by having you physically teach classes. And that's why developing a real picture of a full-time, and I shouldn't say full-time, of a, of a sustainable yoga business really involves more than you teaching classes. And that is a huge conversation to have. And if you're listening to any of this and you really want to have that conversation, just send me a DM on Instagram and I'm happy to get on the phone with you and talk about how you can do it. So with that, we're exactly an hour into this podcast episode. I want to end it here. Be cognizant of your time. I think an hour is plenty for listening to a podcast episode. I listen to some that are almost three hours long. Uh, shout out to Rich Roll and Dr. Andrew Huberman. Uh, they are so worth it. It just takes me sometimes three days to get through them. So I want to try to keep mine to an hour or less. And here we are at one hour. I thank you so much for your attention and focus. Don't forget, go to my website events page and sign up for the podcast party on August 24th from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. There'll be prizes, giveaways, of course, quick summaries of relevant information from the first 200 episodes that you can take away and put into action to help you uplevel your teaching right from that episode. So thank you so, so much for listening. I cannot wait to do episode 202 between now and then. Hope to see you at the party next week. Any questions, comments, send me a DM on Instagram. Thank you so much for listening and namaste. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to this latest episode. And thank you so much for being part of my community and for spending some time with me here on the show. I wanted to wrap up this episode with just a quick note. I have a brand new recorded workshop workshop page, and I'm really excited to offer you an opportunity to watch recorded workshops whenever you want. I have the first installment of a workshop on the page on the website, and it is a short workshop all about how to give effective cues. And so all you need to do to watch this free workshop is go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and you'll see the listing in the dropdown for recorded workshops. When you click that page, you'll see on that page the link to sign up to watch that recorded workshop. I'll be adding more workshops in the future to this page and it's a way that you can access educational and growth information for teachers without having to make a workshop at a particular time. I love to get together with teachers live, both in person and of course online, which is where I'm doing most of my interaction with teachers right now. However, I appreciate that sometimes people can't make a workshop or the time doesn't work for them or they're in a different time zone. So I want you to know that this page can be a resource for you so that as you're out there and you have questions about different things, or you have maybe a half an hour or 45 minutes that you wanna to devote to your continuing education as a teacher, you can just go to my website, pull up this recorded workshops page, and there will be resources there for you to take a look at. and. All of the workshops that I share are all designed at number one, giving you information, and number two, giving you the skills that come from getting that information. It doesn't do you any good if I'm just giving you information on anatomy. If I don't show you how you can use it in your teaching to grow as a teacher, to grow your impact, then it's really not very useful. So all my workshops will have that dual focus sharing a little bit, and then showing you how to apply it. So I hope you'll check that out. If you have any questions or feedback, definitely let me know. Just send me an email, karen at barebonesyoga.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. And I look forward to hearing from you. Namaste.